Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Let's, let's read together. We're going to read together verses 1 through 12, but today we're going to be concentrating on verses 1 through 6. Matthew chapter 5. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came into him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were born before you. What a wonderful thing. Now, when you read that word blessed, I want you to think happy. The word will translate into happiness, or happy are you when you're persecuted. I'm not sure about that, but we'll explore that later. Happy are you who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what we're going to talk about over for this morning is how to become happy. What makes a believer or a follower of Christ happy? Reading some of the commentaries, they'll kind of tell you that a key verse in this Sermon on the Mount is, is Matthew 5.20, and it's telling us, that, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall no, in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's kind of the theme. As Jesus is teaching, he is teaching what it really means to be part of the kingdom of God. And in doing that, it's kind of uncomfortable for the religious groups, for the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees, they were really the elite people. They were politically connected. They were the very rich. They were the priests, and they, were the, um, they worked in the temple, and they were, you know, they were, if you want to put them in today, they were kind of a more liberal theologians. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They had all sorts of things that they didn't believe in, and... Christ had a, some issues with them. The other group was the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were very popular people. Um, they were not that super elite, but they strove to be super elite. They weren't elite in their uh, money and their political influence until they all kind of came together. The Pharisees were more like a common man, except they were very righteous. Very self-righteous, by the way. They kept a lot of rules. They, they, they made great presentations of themselves. They looked right. They did right. They, they, were, they did amazing things. Um, they accepted that the, the word of God was inspired by God, where the Sadducees weren't really big on that. But they, all had, a, they had a little bit of a problem, too, because they gave equal authority to the oral tradition. 
And that's where Christ started having issues with the Pharisees. Now, let me kind of put that back in context. They believed the Word of God was the Word of God, but they also believed their traditions were just as good as the Word of God. So I think that comes back to those very early verses in Genesis where we're not to add unto the Word, not to subtract unto the Word, we're to, we're to just keep the Word. But they added those traditions, and, and we have some of those things happening today. And what Christ is going to do here, what he is, is trying to uh, teach us is how to live in the kingdom. What, is a, what are the characteristics, what is the character of Christ followers who live in the kingdom of God? Because it's very different than those who live in the, in the kingdom of the world. Blessed. When he says blessed, he's implying that there's an inner satisfaction a sufficiency that doesn't depend on outward circumstances. This is what the Lord offers to us who trust Him. So what I want you to understand is that if you want to be happy, if you want to be blessed, if you want to have that inner peace, if you want to, to be able to navigate this world, then we have to develop the character of the kingdom of God. We have to live in the kingdom of God, and we have to develop the character of the kingdom developers. So, all that being said, let me kind of go through some, some points. I want to make sure that I fill in the blanks. How many of y'all don't like it when you miss a blank? How many of it just makes you crazy? Yeah, my wife's back there. <laughs> I'm already making her crazy this morning. Uh, so here, here it is. I'll, I'll lay this out pretty simply this morning. We have to adapt the character of the kingdom. And here's why we need to do this. It's because of who we are. And we are poor in spirit. Here we go, Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be poor in spirit means to be humble. It's to have a correct estimate of who we are. Romans 12 says that we are not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. That was an issue the Pharisees had. They had a little bit of a problem of thinking too highly of themselves. And by the way, you can still see the remnants of that in, in Judaism with the Orthodox. When they put on all their garb and they, they got the little box on the top of the head and the phylacteries that come down and, the, and uh, they were in their robes with the, the cords on the bottoms and and they're praying, and they're just reading prayers out of a book, and they're bouncing back and forth, and, but they're very pious and very proud. We can come and see some of those things in our world. But listen, it, it, this is this humility, poor in spirit. It's the opposite of the world's attitude that, that, of self-praise and, and, and self-assertion. Uh, 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 how, how many of y'all watch football? have a few of you. How many of you used to watch football? <laughs> when I first started playing football, when you did something good, you were just patted on the back and you did something good. When you scored a touchdown, if you didn't just hand the ball to the referee, you were in trouble. Well, today it's changed a lot. We have quite a bit of shows. I remember the first guy that, that did a dance, Billy White Shoes Johnson. I think he played for Houston Oilers. He scored a touchdown. He did a dance, and he spiked the ball. And he, it was, wow, this is fun. And we got into the place today that if you do your job, you jump up and down and have a dance. And you, what do you do? You bring 
attention to yourself. That's what the world tells us to do, right? We need to bring attention to ourselves. I know I'm talking to the older crowd here, but I know a lot of you older crowd are on Facebook. And what do you do on Facebook? You post stuff so you can get a whole bunch of likes and bring attention to yourself. Yeah, I do that too, I, especially when I share pictures of my grandson. I want everybody to see him, my, my grandson. He's just the best. We, that is not a character trait of the kingdom. That is a character trait of the world. It's a false humility. We don't even want that. We, that's the whole opposite of the self-praise, is that false humility. Well, I'm not worth anything. I can't do anything. No, this poor in spirit is being honest with ourselves, knowing who we are, accept ourselves, and try to be ourselves to the glory of God. Another couple thoughts here. As we become poor in spirit, as we look, we'll have to look at our world. In Isaiah, there's several different things that Isaiah, as, he's, as God is preparing him to be a great prophet, he sees within Israel, he sees within his country, he sees these tendencies that distress him. And we have those same things in our world. Covetousness. Oh, by the way, these are in Isaiah chapter 5. Covetousness, drunkenness, carelessness, deception, pride, injustice. Don't you see that in our world today? It's everywhere. It's rampant. But then... Isaiah goes and he looks at himself. In Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 5, it says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings, and with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth, is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved, and the voice of him that cried in the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the living King, the King, the Lord of hosts. So why are you talking about Why are you saying this? Let me tell you this key to happiness, this humility. It's when we get a glimpse of God in all of His holiness, in all of His majesty, and we see ourselves as we truly are, a people of unclean lips, a people of covetousness, of, of drunkenness, of all of these things. When we get a good idea of who we are, against who God is, and then we realize that Jesus Christ, that God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, took all of that away and made us right again. You see, we can be happy. We can be joyous. He made us clean. So blessed, happy, is that person who's poor in spirit. But not all are, not all, uh, boy, I'm having a difficult time this morning. I, I beat my thumb up a little bit yesterday. We were working Habitat, and we were putting up siding and uh, um, soffit, and we were doing all sorts of things. And you know, it's been a while since I've used a hammer. 
They got nail guns now, right? <laughs> but, but they had us using hammers. I don't let, they wouldn't let us use any, any power equipment. Uh, I think they thought we might hurt ourselves. Probably would have. But I banged my thumb three times, so I'm a little bit off this morning. But listen, we are pressed in our soul. Blessed is they, are, are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know what we're to mourn about? You know where we're going to get our comfort? When we mourn about the state of our world. When we mourn about the state of, our, uh, of the souls of people around us. When we mourn about the, 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 the sinfulness of us. Romans 7, 24. Oh my. Paul says this. Oh wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? We mourn over our, over our sin. We despise our sin. We see sin the way God does. And we seek to treat it the way God does. Those who, who, are, who, who cover sin and defend sin certainly have, the, have a terribly wrong attitude. We should not only mourn over our sins, but we should also meekly submit to God. It seems, how are you going to be happy and mourn? No, the happiness comes because we know our sin is taken care of. These all flow together. We see ourselves in our state against God. We see ourselves as sinners in the presence of a holy God. The next thing that flows naturally from that is we start mourning over that sin. The sinfulness of ourselves, the sinfulness of our world. And then we'll rejoice when we realize that Jesus Christ is once again taking care of that for us. We can't take care of it ourselves. He's taking care of it for us. You kind of see a pattern here. Uh, you know, um, we're pressed in our souls. We're poor in our spirit. Before I came to Christ, I was pride. And probably it carried over a long time. Still have issues with that. But I wasn't really worried about my pride. I wasn't really worried about my sin until God did some convicting. God exposed me to my sin. And then he started convicting me of my sin being wrong. And as those things started happening, what happened? I called upon him to save me. You realize that's really what happens to us? When we come to know Christ, when we call on Christ to be our Savior, we go through a process. We start with the fact that we, we recognize that we're sinful. And that nothing we can do can, can make us right with this holy God. And then we get to see all those things around us and all those things we do. We mourn and we're, we're, we're oh, we're convicted. We turn away from that sin to a holy God who's made a provision for us to be cleansed from that sin. I'm happy about that. I'm happy that I don't have to do it. Because I can't do it, and you can't do it, but our God has done it. Not only are we pressed in our soul, we are patient in strife. Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I love that. Now, this is a place where men seem to have a, a difficulty these days with meekness. Can I explain to you that meekness is not weakness? Men, get a hold of this. Moses was called meek. 
you think about who Moses was, do you think he was weak? He led millions of, of hard-headed Israelites out of captivity. He confronted Pharaoh. He, God gave him the, the, the law. He was a strong ruler. He was uh, physically, he, he killed somebody. He was not a weak person, but he was meek. And, and the other person in, in scriptures that God talks about as being meek was Jesus. Now, I know, we see all those pictures of Jesus. I wish we didn't have those pictures. Because all those pictures make him look weak. Seriously, but think about him. He wasn't weak. He was a carpenter. I don't think there was a whole lot of weakness when he was chasing those people out of the temple. He made a whip and he went after them. Listen, we, we get, our world has created pictures of Jesus and he's always got that look in his, you know, he's this humble look and, and this weak look and he, he looks so, you know, he's always skinny and beat up and that wasn't Jesus. He was a strong man. He wasn't weak at all. Let me explain to you what meekness really is. It's not weakness. This word that we is translated meek was used by the Greeks to describe a, a horse that had been broken. It refers to power under control. Y'all ever any of y'all ever break a horse? I have too. It's crazy that first part when you first get on that horse and they're they're doing all sorts of crazy things, bucking and moving and I probably didn't do it right. We had a quarter horse that she was just half crazy. And she was broke wrong, and then eventually she get, became a great horse. But that powerful, powerful horse. How many of y'all ride? Okay. That's a powerful animal that you're riding. And you have control with just, well, you can control them with just your knees if you know, really know what you're doing. But you have a bridle and reins, and it's very easy to control. It's power under control. That's what meekness is. It's, it's a combination of that humility, that mourning. It's meekness. Is, is, is we have great power. It's being patient. It's being... <laughs> it's giving grace. We are to be patient in strife. Not only who we are, poor in spirit, pressed in soul, patient in strife, but we must be adapt the character of the kingdom because this is where we are. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Folks, do you ever get tired of all the crazy, sinful, nutty stuff that's going on in this world? Man. I come across it more and more and more. And, and the more you get outside of, uh, of the walls of this church and the more you get outside of the, the, the cocoon of being around fellow believers, the more you're going to see weird, wild, strange stuff. Uh, you can see that on TV too, but, it, but there's, re there's reality. Come to the Homeless Coalition sometime with us. You'll get a taste of reality. 
Yesterday we were doing the Habitat for Humanity. We've helped one lady from, um, we met through Good News Club, has been homeless three or four times over the last couple of years, and, and she's got her hours, and they're going to be built, breaking ground on her house soon. We were helping another young woman, single mom, one-year-old kid. I think if we really got into her life and all, there would be a lot of tragedy, a lot of hurt, a lot of messed up. And there's all of this going on all around us. And I get tired of it. I want things to be right. I want people to live righteously. I, I do know what's right from wrong, and so do you. And it just grieves me that people don't want to do what's right. Do you know what it's like to be really hungry? It has been a long time since I've been really hungry. I do know what it's like to be really thirsty, though. To hunger and to thirst after righteousness. To, to, to desire righteousness and right living so much. It, it, it pains me. I see people just destroy their lives all the time, and it just breaks my heart. I go to a Good News Club and I watch these kids who they, they have no control over some of the states they're in. Their parents and grandparents have, have messed the lives up so much and these kids are just the product of, of, of unrighteousness. It's awful and it breaks my heart. That's why we're there. We can do a little bit. I'll go to the middle school, and it's even worse. High school has been on college campus lately. This world is really messed up, and, and we are here in this world. It's where we are, and we need to be hungering and thirsting after righteousness. It ought to break your heart that things are falling apart all around us. It ought to break your heart that our country is in the state it's in. The most divided it's been since the Civil War. More propaganda going on out there than ever before. Very hard to find the truth in anything. Stay with the Scriptures. You're always good there. But as believers, we hunger and thirst after righteousness. And we are blessed, we are happy as we do that because we, through the power of God and through the, the, the message of the gospel, can see lives transformed from a life of unrighteousness to lives of righteousness. Happy are we because we have given, been given the message. Okay, why do we do this? We, 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 why do we adapt the character of the kingdom? Well, who we are and where we are. How do we do this, though? How does this happen? All right, we'll finish it up this way. We have to understand our identity in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Romans 8 says this, verses 15 to 17. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if 
children then heirs heirs of god and joint heirs with christ if so be that we suffer with him that we also may be glorified together i'll tell you something we have to remember who we are in christ i i, I keep this in my bible i'll probably order some in case y'all might want some it, it tells us who our identity is who we are in christ because sometimes we forget that and it it, it also there's lies i mean one of the devil's lies says this superstar performance great accomplishments will make me feel accepted and valued that's true you can work at... <laughs> Joyce was talking to me this morning about uh, uh, Jehovah's Witness that came to their house now I don't know if you've ever been to Larry and Joyce's house first of all it's way out to start with and then you go I don't know what, three, four hundred yards down a dirt road that you don't know there's a house there other than a mailbox. And you come to this beautiful place. This lady went down and, and, and to see them. And not only did she see them when they told her to go down the road, she sent them a letter. She says, why would they do that? Because they're working their way to heaven. they're working their way to heaven if i was if i had to work my way to heaven i'd be a whole lot more diligent than than i am accomplishment will make you feel accepted and valued good looks plus admiration of others will make me feel secure <laughs> i'm going to be the most insecure person ever because i don't have good looks and as you get older, those good looks will go away if you even did have them. <clears throat> yeah. Status and popularity and recognition by others will make me feel significant. No. It's us plus Jesus. That gives us acceptance, security, and significance. And all along this back of this little thing, it tells me that I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I've been made just like I've never sinned because of Jesus Christ. You see, we can be happy in all of those terrible states that seem to be so opposite as we mourn about the, the, this world and the, the, the sinfulness, as we are poor in spirit. All of those things we can rejoice because all of that has been changed and transformed in our lives because of Jesus Christ. We're secure. I'm free from ever from the condemnation of my sin. There is now therefore no condemnation of those who walk in the Spirit. Romans 8.1. What a tremendous verse. As we go through and you go through and you find out that you are, you are accepted, you're secure, you're significant, all of that because of who you are in Christ. Heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That means we get the inheritance. Because of who we are in Christ, we can adapt the character of the kingdom. In fact, we ought to be adapting the character of the kingdom because of who we are in Christ. Not only that, not only understand who we are in Christ, but we have to actively build our relationship with Christ. Philippians 3.10 says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection 
and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made comfortable, conformable unto his death. 1 John 1, 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. I know you probably get tired of hearing about religion versus relationship. As Jesus started this Sermon on the Mount, as he was going through the Beatitudes, he was identifying characteristics of the kingdom, the personality of the people part of the kingdom that were totally opposite of the religious people of his day totally opposite from the Pharisees, totally opposite from the Sadducees. They weren't blessed. They weren't happy because they were performing. They were trying to keep up doing something to make everything right. But you know in their hearts, they knew they weren't. I can do a lot of stuff now for the Lord. It's not because I work so hard. It's not because I have to. It's because I love him so much for what he's done for me. I get to know him better and better every day. And see, that's what this is all about. This is what I'm... God's really burdened me for believers because I think we've gotten very comfortable in this country as believers we have we got a good look we have great freedoms uh, we we've we've been teaching and preaching a lot about how to handle different types of problems and issues and and we have sometimes left out the character of a follower In the education system today, schools are graded about how the kids pass tests. Teachers are graded on how these standardized test performance. So unfortunately, the teachers and the administrations are highly motivated for those tests to come out strong because their money's tied to that. Their future's tied to that. So instead of teaching all the things that build to a good test grade, they teach you how to pass the test. I'm afraid that maybe we've been doing some of that in churches. Maybe we've been focusing so much on how to solve the little problems of life that we have forgot that we don't solve the problems till we have the character of the kingdom. My desire for, for you is not to be taught how to pass the test or how to fix this problem, but is to have the character, the character of the kingdom, the character of Jesus Christ, what he has given us to be happy, to be blessed, to be secure in who he is and who he has made us. Because what I found is if I have that character, when I depend upon that, when I have that strong relationship with Jesus Christ, when the problems come, 
I know he's going to help me get through them. I don't have to have four steps to fix this or five steps to fix that or no, I can depend on Jesus Christ to walk me through and to teach me and to, to, to build my character to be more like his. And folks, that's how, we, that's how we get through this kingdom. That's how we can live happy. That's why we can be blessed. Not because we can perform certain things, but because we are in Christ. We are new creatures when we receive Jesus as our Savior. We are not of the world. We can be happy through the trials, through the tribulations that every one of us have. I kept looking at things. Lots of people are happy 2017's over because it was a rough year for them. You know, I look back, I think every year is rough. Okay? And if we're looking for certain things to always get better, I found they don't always get better. But I found if I follow Christ, if I start identifying with humility, with meekness, that I can be happy through all of that. Because nothing can touch me. I'm in the hands of God. Rough way to start the new year. This was uh, not a, a fun message. I didn't have a lot of good, jokey, fun things to lighten it up. passionately concerned for those who call themselves believers today that they adapt that character that gives us credibility that gives us power that will bless us if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your savior maybe you're still kind of on that works thing let me tell you you can't be good enough Only he was good enough. Jesus died on that cross. He came here and he died on that cross to make us like him. And if you will receive him, if you will call upon him, if you will return from your ways of doing things and receive his way of doing things, you will be happy. You will be blessed. Because... He gives life. This morning, maybe you need a taste of that life. If you're here and you know Christ as your Savior, have you settled for just passing the test? Or do you want to learn? Do you want to be part of that kingdom? Do you want to have the character of that kingdom? Let me tell you something. It's a lot easier just to learn how to pass the little test and to, to perform a certain way. It's life transforming when you adopt the, king, the, the character of the kingdom. And then you will find out what it means to truly be blessed, to truly be happy. Whatever your need is this morning, we're going to have our invitation time now. We're going to stand. I'm going to pray. And then if God's laid something on your heart, Deal with it. You can deal with it in your seats. You can deal with it up at the altar, wherever you want to deal with it. But follow what God's doing in your heart right now. Let's pray together. Father, wow, what a tough message to start the year out with. 
Lord, uh, it's hard to understand how we can be happy when we're poor in spirit. It's hard to be hard to understand how we can be happy when uh, so many things seem to go against us. When we mourn, we know we'll be comforted. When we're meek, that you have given us this earth, we will inherit this earth. When we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we know the time is coming where that righteousness will be totally fulfilled. Father, may we look forward to your coming. Lord Jesus, even now, come quickly. But until you come, may we adapt this character. May we not be known as religious people, but as kingdom dwellers following you and sharing your love with all those around us. Lord, continue to transform our lives that we be more like you. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Just as I